Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Moments, a podcast that celebrates parenthood to the fullest, the smallest victories, the messiest failures, and the bravest decisions. Recently, I talked with Mossy Arias and Ashley Chia as part of the Capital One Cafe events program. It was surrounding balance. Balance as people, balance as mothers, and balance with your finances. My favorite part in this conversation was just the takeaways from Mossy and Ashley, just talking about how no is an entire sentence. You don't have to always explain yourself and how important it is to schedule things out, whether it's goals, whether it's your kids' schedules, whether it's me time. It's so important to use a schedule to find that balance. Hello, everyone. I'm Candace Parker, WNBA athlete, broadcaster, mother, and host of today's discussion. I'm coming to you live from the Capital One Cafe here in Chicago. Capital One knows that financial well-being is better with overall well-being. Because like you, well-being is a blend of so many things. The cafes like this one here were created to be places where anyone can come and relax, reflect, and recharge, even virtually. If you watched any of our previous conversations or you're tuning in for the first time, thank you for joining us. But before we get started, I want to introduce the people joining me today. Masi Arias, a blend of health coach, motivational speaker, and mother. Hi, everyone, and hi, Candace. And thanks for joining us. As well, joining us virtually from LA is Ashley Chia, a blend of mother and writer. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you guys. Now, let's discuss. Today, we're talking about something we've all had to deal with, balance. Specifically, what our individual ideas of balance are and how that impacts our overall well-being. 53% of millennials say they were already burned out pre-pandemic, and they remain the most affected population, with 59% experiencing it today. This has led many of us to shift their priorities or make changes in their lives to avoid further burnout. Masi and Ashley, as mothers, we can't always do and be everything to everyone all the time. But Masi, what do you do to make sure you're focusing on what makes you feel your best? Well, for me, family, my daughter, and my friends is pretty much everything. So I've said this many times, I've become a routine and a calendar person where from Monday through Sunday, I know exactly what I'm doing. I prioritize my work because I'm a single mom. I work very, very hard and I just have to prioritize what's important to me. So work has a special place. My family and my friends have their special place. And 
I'm going to throw it to Ashley because I'm quite taken aback by this woman who's just incredible, has three kids and she's pregnant. I think for me, I have a lot of help with my husband. We have a schedule as well, but it's really pretty contingent upon us giving each other a break and allowing one another to have that time to get tasks done, um, especially because I homeschool my kids. So that is like adding another layer to it. Um, it's just really important to have help in any way that you can get it. I feel that's really the only way that I personally can function is by having him help me each and every day. Listen, I am in awe of the scheduling portion because um, I'm not the most disciplined person when it comes to schedules. But you are disciplined, though. I'm disciplined, just not in that area. So I feel like I'm growing because I'm going to try to be diligent in scheduling because, you know, when things are scheduled out as as adults, being able to see your kids schedule as kids, knowing what's coming next. I mean, I think it benefits everyone because your kid knows you're working at this time. They know mommy time. Um but throughout, even before the pandemic, um, child care responsibilities have fallen primarily on women, um, with moms still spending almost twice as much time caring for kids as fathers do. So just shifting the demands and being a parent during the pandemic, what did a day during the pandemic look like for you? Well, I've been pretty fortunate. Um, I've homeschooled my daughter up until this year. So, and she's fairly, it's like super young. She's four and a half. So for me, because I was already digital, most of my businesses are digital. And this is how I can have, a, have more bandwidth to touch more people globally, right? So I was already preparing the pandemic. So for me, it wasn't much different because I was already working from home. I shoot at the studio, I work from home, I reach people from home, but everything was digital. So for me, it wasn't quite um, a challenge. I embraced the challenge, of course, but this is where the scheduling came in place because I had more freedom back then. Now with things, well, when the pandemic started with things being closed, people not being available, that made it a little bit more difficult. So I've removed that anxiety of this pandemic times by really getting regimented. I'm already regimented, a regimented human, so you, you but I became extra regimented <laughs> so that I can, you know, I've, you have to acclimate to the times. No, for sure. You definitely have to acclimate. Ashley, you have three kids that you homeschool. And I know that you homeschooled prior to the pandemic, but how did you carve out me time during that? Because you are also a writer. You also need things and, and time to yourself. So how are you diligent in making sure that your kids understand that balance? Uh, for me, it's interesting because I did the opposite of Masi. I used to have like a serious schedule, but then during the pandemic, I became very relaxed. I, mean, I feel like I had more anxiety because I was used to sticking to a schedule and because everything was closed and everything changed, I felt like I had to be more flexible and that allowed me to have more time to create because there was like less pressure on everyone. Like my daughter couldn't go to her sports or anything. So we were like in the house stuck, you know? Um, so for me, I had to, um, really just start to focus on being a little bit more relaxed and um, allowing everyone to have more free time. We're going to go to a live stream question um, from Nicole. And 
Masi, I'll start with you. I mean, what are some simple ways that we can teach our children balance? I think any parent <laughs> um, watching us right now can say, we're role models. They see you do something, they will copy it, they will emulate it. We are prime examples. You have to, you have to be it so that your kids can emulate it. And you know it. You have a 12-year-old, so she'll check you. And you too, Ashley. Oh, yes. Um, Our tweens will definitely check us. And I I do feel as though now it's so important because you're realizing when they were younger, they were always watching. Um, No matter what I do, my daughter is able to now pull up YouTube clips of, of what I say. Whatever I'm telling her, Layla, you need to do this, this, and this. You need to practice. You need to work hard. And she can pull up the evidence online now. So it's like, it's so important for us to be, you know, what, what we're telling our kids. I found during the pandemic, a lot of times, you know, we always encourage our children to try, try new things, but we ourselves don't, they don't ever see us trying those new things. And so, you know, we tried painting, we were, we took piano lessons during the pandemic. We did all these things and she was able to see me try and maybe not be the greatest at it, but get up the next day and try again and try to be better. And so I think that's so important. Ashley, with three kids, one on the way, how, is it, how important is it for our kids to see us, maybe not at our best, to see how we're able to kind of react and kind of adapt and kind of get back on our feet? I think it's super important. One thing that my husband and I always practice is like apologizing to our children if we make mistakes, if we do something wrong. I think the it's just like Masi said, like you have to be an example of what you want your child to be. So for me, like I don't pretend to be perfect. I don't pretend that every day is great. When I'm tired, I tell my kids I'm tired. When I need a break, I tell them I need a break so that they're learning and understanding that like as a human being, we have different parts of ourselves. Like your parents are just, I always say your parents are just people that have babies. And so they need to understand that so that they, number one, have a realistic expectation of you as their parent, but equally, they don't feel this pressure to be something that's not real. I mean, we don't are like have disrespectful arguments at all. But even if me and my husband have a disagreement, we still do it in front of our children and we make up in front of our kids so that they're learning how to problem solve, learning that you can love someone, not agree. Like all of these things are just really important. I think we grew up in an era where our parents like hid everything from us. And so we're trying to do the opposite because we can't want them to have healthy relationships or just be healthy people if they don't understand the complexities of being a human being within itself. Well, you said something right there, um, expectations. And I think that that's a lot of what today is. You talk about expectations with social media. You thought you talk about expectations as African-American women. You talk about as little girls, what you expect of your sons, whatever. Um, how do you deal with that? I said this on our first production day to the team of uh, Capital One. This idea that we can have it all 100% for every season and live happily ever after in every category of our lives, whether it's being portrayed to us via social media or not, is impossible. So I would like the audience to start thinking, how can I remove this anxiety from trying to do it all and being perfect by watching constant data and social media accounts are telling us, well, this is perfect. And I use the analogy of, let's say you're following a mother and this mother is a huge blogger and now she looks perfectly pushing down that stroller. Meanwhile, we know what it takes to put a baby together, to put ourselves together. 
I know how long it takes me to get out of the house, right? So these expectations that we're building, there's, my mother taught me, there's not one way to live your life. So take that into account, that expectations that other people have of you or whatever you're, you're thinking about yourself, right? If you are living to please other people, and that's not really bringing you balance. You have to be who you are, live your own life. You don't have to be married at a certain time, have this much at a certain, you know, at a certain age, buy this house at a certain time, live this journey, allow things to take their time and their place based on the resources that you have, the lifestyle that you're, you know, that you're currently in and the environment and the resources that you actually have. Yeah, I, I think, what you just said is so accurate. It leads people to not truly be authentic to who they are because they're trying to, you mentioned this earlier, keep up with the Joneses. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's how it is on Instagram, whether it's with through money, whether it's perception, whatever it is. And I think it's important, you know, as role models to continue to be authentic to who you are. And like you said, there's no one way to live your life. Uh, we have uh, another question from Chrissy. How do you have work balance with not self-employed while also trying to create a family life? We can build schedules, but many times outside factors come in, especially from work. How do we choose work versus life, Ashley? Oh, that is a complex question. <laughs> um, I feel like you, um, it's like Masi said, I always tell people you can have it all, you just don't get it all at the same time. And so you have to prioritize what is the most important to you at the moment. So there's, I don't ever think there's going to be 100% like 100% work, 100% family. It's more about what, what needs your attention the most at the moment, and that's what you focus on. Obviously, it is a luxury, like um, I've said this before, to be able to say, hey, I'm not going to go to work today or I'm going to take time off. A lot of people don't have the, the ability to do that. So if you have the ability to take time, then spend more time with your family. If you're not able to do that, then you have to create time. So maybe that means like you're watching less TV, you're staying up an extra hour later with your kid, spending time with them and making sure they're getting that one on one releasing the pressure that everything is going to be equal and allowing yourself to understand that every day is going to be different and every day is going to require a different part of you, a different amount of attention. And that's literally okay. Like, And Mossy and I were, were discussing this earlier. She has a, a lovely daughter. I have one daughter. You have three daughters with one on the way. Um, I know the first and foremost thing that um, my, my daughter's father and I talked about was education is so important to us, um, just in terms of how we prepare for her education later in life, whatever she decides. Having four kids, financially, how do you plan? How do you adapt? What are the steps that you take to kind of achieve that balance? So um, it's interesting that you say that. I, I haven't always been like the most responsible with money. I have to definitely accredit my husband to being the one who kind of taught me how to be a better saver, a better investor. Um, he purchased a home at 21. So like that was really amazing to me because I don't know what I was doing like at 21, going to the club. I don't know. Um, but I wasn't buying a house. <laughs> and so over time, we've definitely become very minimalistic. And it's been amazing for us because we really do not waste our money. We don't buy frivolous things. And so instead of buying our kids like a lot of toys, we go hiking, we go swimming, we go to the beach. So more experiences and less things in our home. And that's really allowed us to 
like have four kids in California and be like, you know, in our early 30s. And it isn't a financial strain because we really focus on saving and not wasting our money on temporary things that aren't going to last. We have another question from Jaylene, and I'm going to direct this to Ashley. How do you find the right way to enjoy life without worrying about your money? Like taking vacations and treating yourself, how do you pick and choose how to sacrifice? I think it's about living in, with a purposeful life. And so you have to always remember like what your end goal is. I think a lot of times, especially I came from the inner city, we look for temporary joy. You know, there's like, yeah, I could buy a passport, but if I can't afford the trip or the money on the trip or the hotel, then I'm just going to buy some sneakers instead. And that's an understandable mentality because that's a lot for a lot of people that live in poverty. Like you're just wanting something to make you feel joy immediately. But I think that you have to believe, number one, in your purpose, you have to believe that things that you want are going to happen, they will be accomplished. And so keeping that mindset and understanding like, yes, I want some temporary satisfaction, but I still have a goal. And so maybe doing like smaller things to make yourself feel better. Um, maybe you don't have to go out to eat and you can just go to the grocery store and buy the, the meal that you wanted to, you know, and make it yourself. Or instead of going on a trip, you can just like go to a local amusement park or something. So I think that it's very possible to find temporary fulfillment, but if you have a long set goal, you always have to keep that in the back of your mind because every single thing that you do every day, those things add up and lead to where you will be five years from now, two years from now, a year from now. So it's just important to keep that in mind. Yeah, I think that that's super important because if you think about it, um, you know, you got to have a goal in mind, but also you don't want to lose sight of, of today. Um, I, I was always taught coming out of college and just my brother, I will never forget, like pay yourself first. And by saving, you're paying yourself first and then everything else, you know, can fall into place. And as you go, you know, farther into the workforce or work, like you start being able to enjoy things more because you did pay yourself first. Um, Masi, 73% of millennials say they have felt burnout by work with 28% saying burnout is frequent or consistent. You've talked about working through your burnout. What do you tell people going through the same thing? Take your time, literally. Because in the past 22 months, I've experienced plenty of burnouts to the point where it's hindered my health because my cortisol levels are way too, you know, way too high. And that came with, again, of course, I'm gonna pick up the work because I, I don't know what it is about working, but I really enjoy working. Because, well, I know what it is. I'm in a field that I really, truly enjoy. And my life completely changed. I went from being married to being a single mom to handling absolutely everything. And while when you look at me, oh, the trainer, the dancer, the cook, the motivational speaker, the, the, the brand partnerships, oh, every, there's so much. I had to reduce that. And I had to come to terms and say, my life is different. I am going to navigate this life differently. And it's okay. I am going to learn whatever it is that I need to learn in order to find what this new normal is. But at the end of the day, I don't recommend anyone to go through a burnout. This is why my schedule looks, you know, the way that it looks. And I'm able to say no, because at the end of the day, people need me to be my best. 
Therefore, I cannot afford to burn out. And it was not the, it's, it's not the greatest feeling. So coming to terms, we have to be realistic. We have to be realistic, period. And I knew my life was going to change. So now I'm going to reduce some of these hats that I actually put on, on myself every single day because I enjoy it so much. And I'm going to figure it out until I get to this point where I feel comfortable. But again, you have to be able to say, I come first. And before we sat down and discussed in cameras, you talked about being able to say no. Yes. And I would like to add to that, being able to say no, and no is a full sentence. Yeah. Like sometimes feeling the need to have to explain why you can't do something, I think further leads to a burnout. And so I think sometimes it's not waiting until you get to that point yes. where you're burnout. It's recognizing, you know, what you can do to better it and, yeah. you know, what you can do. But you spoke about saying no. Like how, how hard, so how hard has, has that been for you, Ashley, to be able to eventually say no. Like Even I to your kids. Yes, to your kids. Even to no. your kids. No. <laughs> End of sentence. No. It was hard in the beginning when I first became a mother, I think because I had a perspective of what I thought being a mother meant, which is what a lot of us see is just like them burnt out, exhausted. And you're like, oh, you're a good mom because you're just so tired all the time. And then I realized that like, that's, that's not true. And my mom was also a single mother. So her experience is going to be different than mine. And I, my mom is the person who told me like, you have help, use it. Like you don't have to do everything. You, that's not your job. And so my mother is a huge help. My husband is a huge help. But for me, saying no makes me feel good. And again, going back to my daughters, I have, I'm going to have four daughters. I don't want them feeling like being a woman means that you have to overextend yourself to prove your worth. Like what you give is good enough, you know, and what people get, you get what you get and you don't get upset. <laughs> and that's kind of like the mentality that you have to give people. <laughs> like you have to just understand that saying no is a part of self-love. And that's what I tell my daughters, even with one another. I actually don't make my daughters like share in a sense of giving their siblings something, right? So if I buy them something that's specifically theirs, then it's theirs. And then we talk about like, them sharing, but if they don't want to, then they don't have to because it belongs to them. So even just teaching them auton autonomy over their things, their body, and just their life, like it's okay to tell people no, and that something belongs to you, whether it's your time, your space, your body, and like being able to create those boundaries that goes into every aspect of your life. Girl, I'm over here snapping and clapping <laughs> and saying everything because I think that's so important. and and. You know, we fall in a generation where I think we recognize, you know, that our traditions and things like that of the previous generation of our parents, maybe it was some of those things that they had to do. We didn't talk about finances at the dinner table. We didn't talk about saving. We didn't talk about those things. And now we can do that with our kids and we should do that with our kids. Um, we have a question from Rachel. What is your fundamental rule on building financial security? What would you say has been your smartest choice? Masi, I'll start with you. Just like Ashley said, I'm a minimalist. You check me out on social media, you'll see me with the same shoes, but you don't see me necessarily buying the most expensive things, going on the most expensive trips. I reinvest a lot into my business. That was the best decision that I ever did. Reinvest into what is going to generate a bigger, piece of the pot, right? Um, 
It is so important that people understand this. When you reinvest into yourself and when you don't overextend, for example, if I make 100, I am not going to try to live 150, a life of 150. And I know my limitations and I am someone I will look at absolutely everything. Where can I take? Where can I cut? Where can I so that I can have this? I'll sacrifice myself for a year, for two years, for three years, whatever I need to do in order to financially secure myself. I don't care what other people think of me. If they think, you know, oh, she must have milk. I don't care if you think I live in a great home, if, if my designer bag means anything of status. Like, no, my life is for me to live and for me to enjoy. It's very important like saving and not living above your means because you want to experience what you're seeing out there, like keeping up with the Joneses. Who knows? So really be realistic about um, just overall, like how you spend your money because we cannot have it all, all at once. Ashley? Um, I, actually, it's going to be what you said, Candace, earlier. It's about paying yourself first. That is the advice that I got a long time ago as well. And it's about, um, I mean, it's the same thing as reinvesting in your business. But for me, it's always about saving my money first and then um, making sure that I live with less than what I really make. So that's just something that I've always done. And I feel like it makes the most sense um, for me to always just like live with less and I, I feel like that has helped us so much. Like I, if I get a check for a hundred dollars, I'm going to act like it was really only for 30, you know, like, and then I have more money left over. Yeah. I think that that's important. And I also would add to just in terms of the advice is that there's no stupid questions. You know, as a kid, I would always sometimes get in trouble for asking why or asking questions, but I really just wanted to know the answer. You know, and I think sometimes when we go into finances, like I remember sitting with one of our rookies a couple years ago and she was like, what's IRA? Like, you know, and it's like, that's, I'm so happy she asked because she would have never known. And sometimes we, we pretend to know these things. And it's like, I have leaned on so many mentors and um, so many people. And I think that's why it's so important to continue to have these conversations surrounding balance and finances because Sometimes people are scared to have these conversations, and these are conversations, especially if you don't know the answers to it, that you need to have. Ashley, you've talked before about focusing on the intention of your everyday action. We're talking intention. So as opposed to just focusing on, you know, going about your day. So how do you continue to live that on a daily basis uh, through intention, being intentional with your words, being intentional with your action, intentional with your time? think it's about having a goal in life. And a lot of times I think people get overwhelmed with that because especially if you're in a place where you don't really know what you want to do with your life or where you want to be. For me, it's always peace and happiness. Like whatever happens with my career, careers come and go. I learned during COVID, like everything stopped and it was kind of like, oh, okay. Like I don't, you know, like these things really just aren't important at this moment. So for me, my goal is always to have peace and for that's why I'm intentional every day because I understand that my actions, whether it's how I spend my money, how I interact with my children, those things are going to 
lead to the end goal. Like I just imagine my life with my husband sitting at the table and our kids are grown like during Christmas. This is like always my focus. Like, are we at Christmas dinner? Do all of our kids like each other? Do we all get along? Are we all happy? Are we all at peace? And so for me, every day, the things that I do, they're, they're for that. Like making sure that I'm intentional about my career, making sure I'm intentional about how, how I eat and take care of my body so that I am here when I'm older. It's just really about thinking about what is that end goal and where do you see yourself when you're like 70 years old? You know, you're not going to get there by not thinking about that today. You have to remember that everything that you t do today leads to where you're going to be tomorrow, a month from now, a year from now, whether whatever your goal is like health wise, career wise, monetarily wise, you have to be intentional with your actions every day to lead to the end, end result. Well, Masi, it's interesting because we talk about intention and, you know, obviously just fitness being what you do, right? And I think that there's a lot of people that at the beginning of the year say, I want to lose so-and-so amount of weight or I want to be in shape, but they don't set a plan or a schedule to get to that goal. So what would you say with being intentional and how that adds up on a daily basis of being intentional to your overall long-term goals? I think... Yeah, being intentionally, it's, it's a huge part of getting to a goal, but also breaking down those goals. When I say my schedule is packed Monday through Friday, it doesn't mean that I'm packing a thousand things. It means that every single day, for example, I want to build Rome. Rome wasn't built in a day, but Monday through Friday, I have a set of tasks that are going to get me closer to that point. Because so many people get so anxious and paralyzed by the thought, my goal is so far away that I don't even know where to start. And they get paralyzed. And that is the decision that you're making. Breaking it down, even at the top of the year. This is what I do. <laughs> this is literally what I do. And it's embedded into my programs. We break it down so that you don't have to feel too overwhelmed. And every single day, you're focusing on one little thing that is going to get you to that goal. So yes, being intentional intentional, and being realistic and breaking down those goals, because we talked about how slowing down sometimes can actually speed up your work. So many people are just going through life and they're just not even, they're not present. And their whole entire life is just going by them. How beautiful is, and I know this is going to sound very cliche, cliche. When I wake up in every single day, when I wake up in the morning, that is a blessing and a win. There's so many people dying every single day. Every three seconds, someone dies here in America. Every three seconds, right? So being grateful, having my daughter, my health, it's everything. So think about that. Being intentionally, being present and not taking for granted the things that really, truly would bring you balance and happiness. But for me, in my opinion, right? It's my friends and my family and how beautiful just life is. Everything else, it's icing on the cake. My work, my goals, one day at a time. Life is not a race, life is a marathon. Listen, <laughs> we're spitting some facts today, I'm telling you. No, I'm, I... I do feel like that. I think sometimes you have to slow down to really see what it is. And then also to add to what you're saying, just keeping in the workout theme. I do better when I, I'm held accountable by a coach, 
by a workout partner, by a friend, by a spouse, by somebody that holds me accountable. Um, the late, great Kobe Bryant said that he makes a contract with himself. So he signs a contract with himself and basically dedicates himself to this workout. Because usually when the time rolls around and that alarm goes off in the morning and it's time to get up and work out or it's time to sit down and do your finances. I mean, I like any of you, you all out there, like I do the same thing. Hit the snooze button. Yeah. Oh, I can do it tomorrow. But if you schedule time for yourself and you're diligent and intentional with that and you hold yourself accountable, you know, I think a lot can be accomplished. Um, we have a question from Trinity and I'll, I'll direct it towards Ashley. I feel like prioritizing my health can be expensive. How do you create balance in that area? Um, I think that the most important thing to remember is without, I always say health is wealth. You know, your health is the most expensive thing that you have. It doesn't matter what you're doing in life. And we see it every day with people that are really rich or celebrities, um, whether it's your physical or mental health. If that's not at the forefront, then it doesn't matter. Um, what you have. So for me, I feel like, think about the long run, you know, it's more expensive to get a surgery, it's more ex expensive to get a treatment than it is to buy groceries that are healthy than it is to pay for a trainer. So think about the end goal, like it may seem expensive, but you are taking care of your body and your, your, that is the thing that drives you, you can't do anything without your health. So remember, like that is the biggest investment that you'll ever make. And it's the most important one. So you might have to give up some other stuff, but you should always, always invest in your your mental and physical health. My dad gave me amazing advice when I was younger. I, I tore my ACL when I was 17 years old and I was devastated. Basketball was everything to me. I ate, slept, breathed, inhaled basketball. I still do. But I feel like I tore my ACL and I thought the world was over. And he told me, he said, get a journal, write to yourself, write how you feel right now, write what your thoughts are, write what your goals are, write all that stuff. And he said that not for like that motivation at that moment, but for when I had the game of basketball, when I came back to the court, when I was doing everything I wanted to, I could reflect back on how I felt and what it took to get there. So I think those are ways that I stay, try to stay focused when the end goal is so far away. How are, what are daily, acts or daily things or daily mantras that you yourself do to help you stay focused on the end goal through the daily grind? I think I'm in the right space. I love what I do and I love a challenge. And being a woman of color, um, brown, black, proudly, um, I've had to open a lot of doors and I love people. I just love proving people wrong. And I love creating a space where the space is not even created for me. I had absolutely no representation growing up. I'm from the Caribbean, I'm, I'm, I'm Afro-Latina. So I had, other than Celia Cruz, we did not have any representation whatsoever in the Latin world. So how do I stay focused on the goals? <laughs> I said I was going to do something. Seven years ago, I said, I am going to be doing this and it's exactly what I'm doing. And I have a daughter. That is my focus. Anyone who's not a parent does not understand how your kids, they just ignite something in you. You cannot fail. You cannot, I cannot allow my daughter to see me hurt, but I definitely cannot fail my daughter. 
She's my biggest motivation. So daily practices, I look at what I have, not what I don't have, what I have, right? And I use my resources in order to get to that next step. A daily ritual is look at my daughter, say, how are we gonna change the world today? And I tell her that, love seriously. That. I love that. And focusing on the small victories. Every single day I have a small victory. I may not have finished the platform, it's taken me 22 months, people, 22 months and a whole year that I've been at a, kind of like at a stop, right? Six months without coaching. But when I put it out there, it's going to be something amazing. But if I didn't focus every single day on those things, it was never going to happen. So each day, daily rituals, say I have a goal of 100, I break it. How can I break down this goal maybe by 10% every single day so that I can get to the 100? I don't work on a project and think, oh, I'm going to finish it tomorrow. No, I work on a project little by little especially because these are things that are not either being created or you have to think outside the box. You can't be like everyone else, you know, very unique. How can we work on this every single day, little by little, step by step? Like I said, life is not a race, life is a marathon. 100% is a marathon. And we have one last question, and this is for Ashley. How do you find time for yourself mentally as a parent? of three going on four. Um, how do you find time for writing? How do you find time for your business? Um, I just really use the nighttime. I saw this meme one time that said, um, people are always telling parents to go to bed when their kids go to bed so that um, they can get rest. And they're like, no, I stay, I'd rather stay up late because it allows me to remember that I'm someone outside of being a parent. And so that's for me too. Like I, sleep is very important. But when I have projects and I have things that come up, I make sure that I just carve that time out. When my kids go to sleep, I take that time and I'm like, okay, I have to write. When my kids are taking a nap, I'll take meetings and that's when I'm editing scripts. So like for me, the nighttime is when I really come alive. I've always been a night owl anyway, so I function better and I'm more creative at night. But I, I, I just stay up late and I write and I create. And sometimes I might get eight hours of sleep, sometimes it's six. But if there's a goal that I have, I know that I'm not always going to be doing this. I'm not always going to be staying up late at night um, writing. And so I'm okay with that because I know that everything is just temporary. And the most important thing is me getting tasks done that I know I need to get done. So I usually just do it at nighttime. That's just when I create and everybody's life is different. So you have to figure out what what time of the day can you do something and not do something else? I mean, nighttime is my TV time, but if I have something coming up and it's the writing time and you just have to make those different sacrifices. That was a great closing. Balance is the key, which is the topic of our entire conversation today. And I wanna give a big thanks to the both of you for joining us and talking. It was really great to hear some different perspectives on that eternal juggling act of work and life and finances. Um, and to all of you out there, thank you for joining us at the Capital One Cafe here in Chicago. Mossy, Ashley, and myself have all had the chance to talk more about money and balance. And you can watch those conversations at CapitalOneCafeEvents.com. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Moments with Candace Parker. Thank you so much to Mossy and Ashley and to our exclusive sponsor for this season, Capital One. You can check out the full conversation at CapitalOneCafeEvents.com. If you'd like to learn more about the show, you can follow us on Twitter at WMNMedia or on Instagram at WMN.media. 
You can also follow me, Candace, on Instagram at Candace Parker. Moments with Candace Parker is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Maddie Foley and Brittany Martinez with help from Alessandra Tejeda. Our executive producers are Robin Roberts and Jenny Kaplan. Special thanks to our exclusive season sponsor, Capital One. Thanks again. See you later. Thank you.